helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Disaster, misfortune, hardship, sorrow, suffering, misery, trouble, trial, hurting, bad break, ill fortune, the worst, tough luck. Whatever word you like to use for it, adversity is all but guaranteed in life. And how we respond to it can determine the opportunities that can result from it or not. So if you're someone who wants to create opportunity from your adversity, we encourage you to listen to today's show, which is part two of our Turning Adversity into Opportunity series. If you want to listen to part one of this series, we encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M. Counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or you can call us at 1 877 544 3546, and we'd be happy to give you a copy of last week's show. I want to welcome everyone for joining us this week. My name is Melissa Waggett, and I am the co-host of this radio show. If you want to find out more about this show, the Life Transformation Show, or our counseling services and ministry as a whole, again, you can go to that website that I mentioned earlier off the top at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. And with me in studio today is Michael Hart. He is an award-winning psychotherapist who is the also the director of Elam Counseling Services and he joins me each and every week to explore these topics with you and to provide his insights from his extensive clinical background as well as his Christian faith as we explore these topics that realistically each and every one of us will go through in some way in our life and this week's show is no exception so I really want to give you a warm welcome, Michael, and thank you so much for joining us again for this week's episode of the show. Thank you very much, Melissa. I'm so excited to do the second part of this show because uh, we've gotten a few calls just based on the first part that we did where people have said that they have been they have benefited from from the, the tips that we gave in the first part of the show. And so I'm very excited about continuing on the second part because adversity is something that we all face at some time or another. And it is important for us to have the tools to be able to deal with adversity in a way that it doesn't break us, it doesn't pull us away from God, it doesn't make us bitter and destroy us. So I think this is a very important topic for us to to do. And so we're going to be picking up on a story that we touched on last week as sort of the basis for much of our discussion. Because one of the things for people who may be tuning in for the first time to the show, we love to draw from the Bible for inspiration and to pull out these stories that we probably grew up with in Sunday school, we may know of and have framed in a certain way of our life, but we like re-exploring them with that psychological lens to see what uh, relationship truths we can glean from it, what mental health truths we can glean from it. Because as we've jokingly said in the in the past, but we truly believe it, God knew what he was talking about when he wrote this book, this how-to manual. And so it's no surprise that we can look to it for inspiration for things that we experience even today. And the story we drew from last week was the story of Joseph that we find in Genesis. Yes, it's in Genesis chapter 39, and the story continues into chapter 40 as well. But we'll just be 
reading a few verses of chapter 39 that will be the focus of what we will discuss because it's what to do while you're in adversity. And in chapter 39 and verse uh, 20, it reads as follows, but while Joseph was there in prison, and the emphasis there is on the word while, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And again, the word while. While you're in adversity, how do you handle it? What do you do in the midst of your suffering? What do you do in the midst of your disappointment, your betrayal? And I think what we do, as we will see as we extrapolate from this text and go into uh, some of the tips that we are going to be given about how to overcome adversity, you will see that to a large extent, it's what you do while you're in adversity that leads to the kind of income, the kind of sorry, outcome that you will have afterwards. So if you have an attitude that is negative and uh, doesn't really look beyond the adversity, then it's no surprise that you will end up with a worse outcome than if you have the kind of attitude that David had while he was in prison. And so how can we begin to foster that attitude that Joseph had while he was in prison? Because we touched on this last week. When we're in our adversity, sometimes you're not feeling that great. Yes. You're not, as much as we claim we the joy of the Lord is my strength, sometimes you are not in that joyous place. You are mad. You're angry. Things aren't turning out how you expect. So when you are in that emotional space, that head space, how do we, get, how do we begin to change our perspective? Yes. When we're in that moment, because our human emotions are real, yes, and they don't feel nice sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's such a very good question. And we touched on a number of uh, techniques last week, a number of things to do that will build, help to. These are strategies to help to build to make you more resilient. And so, if you if you missed last week's show. I would encourage you to go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com to look back on some of what we covered during last week's show. So I'd just like to add uh, one more tip to that uh, section that we did on, on the strategies. Another strategy that is very important is to confront rather than avoid what you're going through. It's possible to be in the midst of a prison, to be in the midst of tremendous suffering, but to deny what is really taking place. I have had clients who will say things to me like, my dad was such a great dad. He's the greatest dad that I could ever have. But when you explore more what they experience at the hands of their fathers, you realize that they have built this false image of what really happened. In other words, they're doing the, the, 
the coping mechanism that's called denial, where, where they're de- denying the reality. So a good way to overcome your adversity, and I think we touched on this a little bit last week, but didn't go into it, is to, is to confront it, to deal with this. If you look at how David handled his, not David, but Joseph, how Joseph handled his adversity. He was in no denial. He was aware of where he was. He admitted that he was in prison, but he developed an attitude that looked beyond the walls of those prison and and led to to his success ultimately. So if you're in a situation, do not use scripture to make the situation seem as if it's not happening. And 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 process those emotions. Process those emotions. The thing I'm wondering though is sometimes and maybe I'm just gonna speak on behalf of myself right now, when I'm going through the process of processing my emotions Sometimes I feel stress from it. Right. It's an uncomfortable situation that I'm going through. Right. I'm confronting both my own feelings of the what's going on as well as the circumstances I surround myself in. And I feel my body gives me those anxious feelings. I get those knots in my pit in my stomach. I may feel overwhelmed. I just want to run away. Yes. How do I begin to confront those things and process them as well? Because my default is to run. Um, from those feelings. But as I've learned through the years with you, it's so important to process that pain. Yes. Because it, it won't go away just because I ignore it or it goes in the past. It's right. still there. Right. So so that's an important strategy to, 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 to confront the pain and process the pain. So if you look at the Psalms, for example, you will see that in Psalm 55, there is a tremendous processing of emotions that take place. The Psalmist talks about his heart being overwhelmed. He, he talks about feeling as if he, he wanted to run away and be at rest and, and a number of other emotions. He talks about being in distress. And so here it is that he's doing what we would call today in counseling a journal entry. He's entering into his journal the emotions that he's feeling about the situation. So part of dealing with the stress of whatever you're going through is journaling about those emotions. Don't deny them. Don't try to pretend as if they're they they are not there. Don't try to 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 Christianize your situation by quoting these these glib scriptures that it's not really what you're feeling in your heart. Yes, there's a place for the use of scripture and we'll come to that later on. But it's also very necessary for you to be honest about how you feel. If you feel betrayed, write it out. I feel feel betrayed by my husband. I feel betrayed. I feel as if God isn't there for me while I am going through this. I feel abandoned. And so use terms that captures what you're going through. But a very good way of also processing the emotion that you're dealing with is to come up with an image that represent what it is that you're dealing with. So the, the, the psalmist in David also talks about being in the slimy pit and uh, and 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 feeling as if 
the image that you get from that is that you're somewhere where you're stuck that you can get out of. And so coming up with an image that represents your situation can also be very powerful. So for David, it was a slimy pit. For you, it might be that you have this baggage on your back that you can't get rid of. It might be that you feel that you, you're enclosed by walls or you have dark clouds hanging over your head. Whatever it is, come up with an, an image that captures that. But in the psalm, David also talks about the fact that God took him out of that pit and placed his feet upon a rock to stand. So there, there is an opposite image as well that you need to come up with as you process your emotions so that you don't get stuck there. So to relieve the stress, it's also good to look ahead. And to say, this is what I've, I see myself like down the road. Instead of a slimy pit, the psalmist David saw himself, God, he said, he placed my feet upon a rock to stand. And this is the opposite of being in a, in a pit. He can now have a, have a, a vantage, a, a view of where he wants to go. He can, you know, has solid, solid footing that he can move and he can make progress. So think of what your your situation would be like, what your image would be like if if your 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 situation is to change. Start to envision it and start to to come up with an image that represents that because images are used all through the Bible and they're very powerful in tapping into our spiritual and our psychological states. If you're just listening or joining us, pardon me, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. Today we are talking about turning your adversity into opportunity. If you've missed the first half of today's show, we encourage you to go to our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or you can call us at one 544 and we'd be happy to give you a copy of today's show. And we also want to remind you, this is part two of a two-part series, so while you're at our website, feel free to check out part one of Turning Adversity into Opportunity if you happen to have missed that as well. What other strategies, Michael, you gave some really concrete examples there of journaling and painting this current state image with a future state image. What other strategies can people do when they're in the middle of their adversity to create an environment where opportunity can flourish? Another important technique is what we call thought stopping technique. In other words, you stop the thought before it takes over your mind. So the negative thought that can be very powerful and it can create a lot of stress. And what happens for most of us when we're going through adversity is that we keep thinking about the thought over and over and over again. And with each thought, our body is secreting uh, stress hormones, cortisol, and and it's making us more in more more tense. We can feel it in 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 our muscles, and after a while, it becomes very toxic for our body. But there's a simple technique that's called a thought stopping technique, where if you start thinking about the thought and you want to stop it, you imagine that you see a bid a big red and white stop sign with the word stop 
on it. And just see if you can see that in color as I'm talking right now, the shape of the stop sign and the word stop. Just, just with me as you're listening to my voice, if you have an adversity that you're going through, just see if you can imagine this for a moment. Look at the shape of the stop sign. Look at the letters. Look at the word. Pay attention to the S for a moment with me, to the T, to the O, to the P, and just uh, see that sign in your mind. Now, if you have gone through this exercise with me just now, you will realize that you weren't thinking about your problem because your mind can only focus on one thing at a time. And so if you think of this red sign every time you are focused to dwell too much on your problem, then it interrupts the thought. And by repeatedly interrupting the thought with this with this big red sign in your mind, you can now divert your thought to something else. So you can say, I'm stopping that thought, and I now want to think about something else. Remember here, we're not talking about denying the thought, because we, are, we already talked about processing the thought and processing your emotions. But you don't want to dwell on it. You don't want your days to be taken up with nothing but the negative situation. So, this technique is very powerful, the thought-stopping technique. If you want to use this big red sign, you can, but you can use other objects as well. If you want to think of the cross, the symbol of the cross, as a way of saying, I am focusing my attention on the cross and what Jesus did for me at Calvary, you can use that image as well. So every time the problem comes in your mind, you think of the cross, and you think of what the cross means means to you. You think of the hope that you have in the in because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, and by so doing, you're diverting your mind to an, another place, to a more positive place, instead of dwelling on the negative. And you're breaking that negative feedback loop cycle by doing that. And I love right. the imaging. I I myself was picturing that stop sign. So it and it and it is so true that your brain can really only focus on that one thing at that yes, moment. Yes. So what a great practical technique people can I try. I see people come in uh where after we have talked about the adversity or the 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 trauma that they have been through they they have uh pierce you know pounding headaches and they they sometimes have stress symptoms and we use simple techniques like this where I will say to them just start focusing on the colors that are in the room just be very aware of where you're sitting uh, tell me the sounds that you hearing you're, you're hearing in this office can you hear the fan and so forth and as they begin to focus on those things the headache goes away like that because a lot of time this is caused by stress they have just they have been thinking about the trauma a lot and and it's in their minds and so to break that cycle just focusing on your environment sometime notice the beauty of the flowers it's that time of the year uh, think about the the, the, gra- the green grass and the, the beautiful things that you see around you the birds in the skies even things like that are very powerful to interrupt the negative thought and to get your focus of dwelling on the problem for too long. What other strategies can people do? Another uh, strategy is what we call the prevention strategy, implementing prevention strategies. And these are strategies that when you're doing them, it's hard to focus on the problem at the same time. And it creates a good interruption for people who have had severe traumatic experiences, for example. These prevention strategies are very good, especially at the early onset, when, when at the beginning stage of of a trauma. So for example, 
going for a jog, for example, while you're running, while you're doing this physical activity, going for a swim, it's a prevention strategy because you are, you're preventing the thought from occupying your mind because you're doing something physical. Uh, there's also artwork. A lot of people, while you're doing artwork, one of the, 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 the favorite part of our healing retreat is the, is the heart tables where people will sit and they will they will take time and just uh, do artwork, drawing things or, or putting a collage together that represents something for them. And while they are focusing on this simple task of doing art, they're 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 preventing the thought from taking over their minds. So there are, there are many things we can do, uh, physical activities, even relaxation, artwork, uh, uh, quoting Bible verses. That, 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 that provides you with hope and inspiration can be a very powerful way of, of preventing that, those thoughts from taking over your mind. I think of those as those like filling your gas tank so you have yes. more reserve to draw from. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm wondering with about, and we can go back to Joseph's story on this. When I heard you describe Joseph's story last time, it really for me seemed like a situation that was beyond his control. Yes. There wasn't anything that he did to get himself in that situation. Yes. It really seemed like bad luck. And again, people were out to get him. Right. And they were in charge of his destiny once again. And he was in this crummy situation. Yes. And I'm wondering if there's any techniques for people who may be in a Joseph-like situation. Yes. Where it it just, bad stuff happened. Right. It was beyond your control. Yes. And you're feeling helpless and hopeless. Right. In this situation that you had nothing to do with. Right. How can you begin to um, come out of a situation like that? Are there strategies you can do when you're in that pit of, it's not my fault, like, I'm yes, just here. Yes. That y- feeling yes, of there, there injustice. Is. There is, and thank you for asking that, because another good strategy is to accept the things that you cannot control and to focus on the things that you can. So David was in this, uh, not David, but Joseph was in this prison, and he could do nothing about that. He couldn't get out of the prison. So he didn't focus on, you know, oh, I'm in this prison and, you know, there is no way I can get out. What he started doing was to focus on the things that he could control, like his attitude. He developed such an attitude while in prison that he was put in charge of others. And his attitude was of such that he controlled the things that he can because even in prison he had talents that he could use and he he had the gift of interpreting dreams and Joseph began to use his gift of interpreting dreams to help others and he was helping others but he also had a game plan so he had a game plan so one of the things we notice in in verse 14 of chapter 40 that after interpreting correctly the dreams of 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 people who were asking him for help while in prison he said to them but when all go well with you he had predicted in this dream that this person was going to be be out of prison and that he was going to be 
reinstated in his job with the king. And so he said to Joseph said to him, But when you get out, remember me and mention me to Pharaoh, so that I might get out of this prison too. So he was in there, but he wasn't stuck there in his mind. He had a game plan, and he had an attitude, and he was doing whatever he could control. He couldn't get out physically, but he could begin to help others and to build a reputation that would go beyond the walls of that prison. Wherever you are, there is something that you can do. Whatever it is that you're you're going through, there is always something that you can control in the midst of that. It might not be easy if it's a tragic situation, for example, right at the beginning, but eventually you will come to a place where you said, I can't do anything about this loved one that I have lost. But there is something I can control about my life going forward. There is something I can do. The other important thing that we find in this story is that in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his adversity, he found people that he could help. And this is so important because when you're going through adversity, a good strategy to get your mind off your suffering is to help others. And Joseph used this technique while in prison. He was there. We're told in chapter 40, verse 7, that even while he was there in prison, he said to someone, why? Why do you look so sad today? So here it is. He's in prison, but he's noticing the emotions of others. And he's asking questions about others. And he began to help others. And it was that helping of others that eventually led to his freedom and his later success in life. So as I said at the beginning of the show, that the emphasis was on the, the word while when we read that text. The text said, while Joseph was in prison. And my words to you today is that while you're in that adversity, there are some things that you can begin to do that can help to determine a positive outcome for you in the, in the days, months, and years ahead. And so if someone is grabbing onto your words right now and are saying, okay, I hear what you're saying and I'm going to, I'm going to try the next step. What kind of things should they begin doing? Are there other strategies they can do or is there a starting point you'd suggest? Because sometimes taking that first step when you've been in that adversity for so long, maybe you've had the negative mindset, maybe you've been focused inward, taking that first step can be tricky. So what advice would you give to begin that journey? I think the first step in, in this journey is to realize that your situation might be hopeless for you, but it's not hopeless for your God. So if you have a faith perspective and you begin to think in terms of hopelessness, then you can begin to challenge that thought by trying to look beyond your ability to, to the ability of, of, of the God that you serve. I think a second thing that you can do in the midst of your suffering and your pain is begin to look around and to notice others. And I've just talked about that, focusing on others, and that Joseph realized that there were others who were also in pain. One of the, 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 the thing about when we are suffering, we tend to have this notion that 
you know, uh, why am I going through this? I am the only one suffering and it's so terrible. But it's good to remember that whatever you're going through, there are other people who are going through equal and worse than what you're going through. And I think that other important thing to realize that while you're in that situation is to remember the words in the text that we, we, we read. Repeatedly it said, at least twice, I should say, in the passage that we read earlier from Genesis 39, that while he was in prison, God was with him. And I think that's huge, because many times when we're going through adversity, we start believing that God has abandoned us. So I'm saying to someone out there today that God has not abandoned you. He's there with you while you're in your prison, while you're in your adversity, while you're going through your betrayal and setback. He's there with you. And what hope we can cling to. And that's why we we do have our faith component in this is because with all our heart, we we know and we believe that there's a God bigger than us walking with us through that. And that's our hope and prayer for you today. If you're listening and you are feeling hopeless, we pray that you would cling to that truth that God is with you through this. And our prayers will be with you as you go through this journey. And we look forward to hearing your stories of opportunity that are going to come through your adversity. Yes. And I would say if you have a story that you'd like to share that could uplift someone, give us a call because we're listening. We're looking for people who have stories that they could share. So give us a call at one eight seven. 7-544-3546 or you can write to us by email by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com elim is spelled E-L-I-M counseling with two L's ministry.com and so until next time this is your host Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services and Melissa Waggett praying together that God would bless you in all your adversities and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart Music